When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back. It's the Basketball Conference Podcast. My name is Mike McDaniel. We're short a guy tonight. Joey Weaver not joining us this evening, unfortunately. Uh, unable to make it, but I'm here with Kevin Sinclair of SlapTheSign.com discussing Notre Dame's 2016 season uh, as we continue here with our season recaps on the Basketball Conference Podcast. So thank you all for joining us once again. Kevin. What is going on, man? Uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, just been writing up a storm lately for Slap the Sign with uh, signing day around the corner. Uh, it's actually been a really busy uh, signing day season for Notre Dame. Uh, as of a week ago, they had uh, uh, five, at least five spots to fill. They only had 15 commits and space for at least 20. Um, definitely with some huge holes, uh, the defensive backfield, um, they still did not have a receiver in the class, which, uh, obviously is a pressing need and really looking at trying to get a, a defensive end or pass rushers. So, um, yeah, this, uh, this week's been pretty heavy. The last couple of days, there's been some guys on the fence who, uh, basically hadn't stated whether or not they're going to commit on signing day or not. So it's sort of those things where you're, you're waiting, thinking at any point, somebody's going to commit. But uh, here it is, 9 uh, Eastern time, um, pretty, uh, I guess it's 9.30 Eastern time, pretty sure that nobody's going to be committing tonight. So looks like uh, those last few pieces are going to come tomorrow on signing day. Yeah, it makes for a heck of a signing day here, of course, as we record on, on Tuesday night, January 31st here. Uh, so, Kevin, really good to have you on here. The insight is going to be incredible um i of course for for those of you who have been listening for a while you guys know that while i graduated from tech i i grew up a notre dame fan so this should be a lot of fun here uh kevin to discuss with you here over the next half hour or so uh just high level here just want to get into 2016 season obviously not the season that notre dame wanted uh finishing the year four and eight not going to a bowl game um you know it was it was a hectic beginning to the season obviously with the double overtime loss on the road to texas wild game back and forth but I think that game really underscored the defensive issues that the Irish had throughout the rest of the year so I guess just your thoughts on you know the season overall obviously disappointing but um, uh, kind of what were your initial thoughts on the year offensively defensively uh, whatever you really want to dive into yeah um, you said it, it definitely was a very disappointing year I went into the year um, quite concerned given that Notre Dame I mean offensively they had graduated or lost uh, due to the NFL uh, Jalen Smith uh, or sorry uh, defensively Jalen Smith Elijah Shoemate Sheldon Day Romeo Aquara Kavari Russell 
Uh, and then offensively, Will Fuller, Chris Brown, Amir Carlisle. I mean, those are their two starting wide receivers and their slot receiver. C.J. Procise, Ronnie Stan- Stanley, Nick Martin. Um, a lot of people are focusing on, well, you know, we still got Kaiser. We still have, you know, a few pieces. But um, that proved to be too much for them to overcome. Um, I went into the season concerned about that myself and uh, the, the veteran leadership, um, the captaincy. Um, there was huge concerns um, for me with the defense, with Brian Van Gorder. I, being a football guy, being, you know, an ex-college football player, I break down film and I, I really noticed the weaknesses on the defense. You could see that tentativeness of the players on the defense, given that it was such a, a complex defense, something that was talked, that is talked about a lot. Uh, so I had concerns about the defense and that proved to be a huge issue. Um, when they went into play Texas, uh, the considering Texas was looking at, starting either kind of a low low performance quarterback uh with swoops or um looking at um starting a, a true freshman it looked like Notre Dame was going to uh definitely have the upper hand that way um but it ended up being a 50 to 47 loss uh they did you know went out and scored a lot of points um Things were looking that good that way, but uh, 47 points to a team with uh, who started a true freshman quarterback was uh, embarrassing in my mind. Um, yeah, two- I mean, not a not a great start to the year. I think uh, you know a lot of people tend to overlook all the losses that Notre Dame had on both sides of the football, and I know a lot of people, like you said, were focusing on well, they're bringing back Deshaun Kaiser, and Kaiser was so good as a freshman. You know, he was uh, in a lot of people's minds a guy that could maybe be a dark horse to be in the Heisman Trophy discussion uh, at the end of the season, considering what he did in 2015 for Notre Dame and all the yards that he threw for and so on and so forth. Um, That that was obviously a tough loss to Texas. They bounced back nicely against Nevada. uh, But I think that loss against Michigan State kind of really told you something. Obviously, having having Michigan State down late and then having them lose the way that they did and following that up the following week with a loss to Duke – then you really kind of looked at the rest of the schedule and you're thinking, man, they haven't played Miami yet. They haven't played Stanford yet. NC State is a, is a decent team. Virginia Tech, USC. You can see how something like this would kind of spiral out of control. So, you know, I think defensively um, the issues were obviously there for most of the year. You fire Van Gorder. Um, you're looking for consistency there on defense. But the offense struggled as well. Um, I was actually at the 50-33 to 33, uh, victory against Syracuse there, and then, and then later in the season, their names lost to Virginia Tech. And, you know, the, the issues on offense were not as prevalent as, as the season went on. You know, they, they put up 50 against Syracuse. I thought they played a decent game there. But defensively, the issues kind of were the mainstay in that season, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you just didn't have any confidence on third down. You, you didn't have any confidence they are going to be able to get off the field. Uh, I really had a hard time watching games to keep my composure. Uh, you know, I, I didn't enjoy watching football this year. That's that's uh, the, the honest truth about that. Um, when they lost to Duke, I really that that was the low point for Notre Dame in several years uh, since the Charlie Weiss days. I remember the the lowest point I'd had uh, in my confidence in Notre Dame uh, before that was when uh, Charlie Weiss uh, led them to a loss to Navy years ago, the last time they lost Navy. And it's kind of ironic because they ended up losing to Navy again this year. 
Uh, you know, they went ahead and they after after that game, I heard uh, Lucy Moji on a podcast, the BGI podcast. He said the the feeling around campus after the, that game was that heads were gonna roll, and that's exactly what happened. And fans were really happy to see Brian Van Gorder leave. Um, some fans thought that that was going to be the answer. But the, the fact of the matter is there still had to, because it's a college-level defense, you can install a whole new defense uh, that week. You have to keep up with that defense. You can change the philosophy in that, you know, they want they ask the players to stop playing as tentatively as they were without as, with. With uh, without the hesitation that they were playing with, stop thinking so much and just play football, react, play fast. You saw some of that. You know, they came out the next week, they beat Syracuse. But it was Syracuse, and they still gave up 33 points. Uh, if you, you know, you carry on through that. Uh, there was a lot of teams who shouldn't have been scoring that many points. This Navy scored 20, 28 points against them. Um, the defense... Like I said, they, they lacked the leadership. From what I said earlier, they were lacking the leadership that they had. Kavari Russell, Elijah Shoemate, Jalen Smith. Uh, and and they, they just didn't seem to be able to come back from that, especially with playing the same defense that they were that clearly wasn't a good fit with Notre Dame. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, so, so the defensive struggles, I thought, kind of went into the offensive game a little bit. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser, while he threw for almost 3,000 yards, 26 touchdowns, nine interceptions, he did struggle, you know, um, obviously only completing 58.7% of his passes, um, which is fine. Uh, some of that had to do with, with drops in the receiving game. Some of it had to do with just missed throws that he was not missing in 2015, quite frankly. And then, you know, other parts of it had to do with, you know, lack of a, of a solid, consistent running game. Uh, there were obviously glimpses from Josh Adams, Tarian Pulse, and getting him back into the fold was a good sight to see. And then Dexter Williams, when healthy, proved to be a competent running back as well. So uh, just talk to me a little bit uh, about the offense overall. Um, uh, obviously, you know, a couple of the bright spots, Equinemia St. Brown, 961 and nine touchdowns on the year had to be probably uh, the bright spot in the entire offense. Yeah, yeah. Offensively was, I, I don't know how to exactly define it. It was kind of a weird one for me. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser came out playing really well. Of course, the first game we had uh, uh, Malik Zaire in there, which just, he just did seem like he was trying to do too much. Uh, the Deshaun, Deshaun came, Kaiser came back in and he just was the clear starter. He was the man uh, to play the position this year. Um, offensively, yeah, I agree. They couldn't seem to get the run game going very well. We weren't getting the push that I thought we were going to get from this supposed best offensive line in the country. I do think that um, the offensive linemen are talented. I think that they just didn't quite have the cohesion. I think McGlinchey kind of struggled on the, uh, the, the switch to the left side. You know, you got a new center. Uh, Nick Martin was the, I think he was kind of the, the vocal leader of that offensive line, so they sort of missed that. I also know that Josh Adams was playing hurt. I don't think they disclosed that as much as uh, the, I, I guess as much as fans thought. Uh, sorry, what I'm trying to say is he was he was injured a lot throughout the season, more so than fans thought that he was. They couldn't seem to establish the run game, and then it seemed like they would get frantic and try and throw the ball. Um, and there seemed to be a lot of miscues out there 
without their, you know, returning their starting receiving core, it just didn't, didn't seem like they got into many rhythms. They wouldn't have a particular receiver making several catches in a drive and getting that rhythm where sometimes you see a receiver and it's like they're not going to be able to stop this guy. You would see it with, uh, you know, Brady, Wes Welker, um, you know, things like that. You didn't see that this year. You saw some decent performances, individual performances, like Equinemius St. Brown once in a while. Torrey Hunter would have a good game. But we didn't get the tight end involved in the game whatsoever. Uh, I, I must say that I wasn't not impressed with the play calling often. Uh, there's the North Carolina State game. Passing the ball, the amount that they did in a hurricane was... That was Pretty the most, horrible. yeah. yeah outside of Texas, the 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 final, you know, the final minutes of Texas, and not being able to get off the field on third downs, I would say that that was the most frustrating game for me. When we were in, uh, you know, within the, I think it was, uh, four, you know, fourth and goal, or sorry, first and goal. They threw the ball, I think, four times in a row. It just made no sense. Um, that was extremely frustrating for me, but. I can't really decipher who was calling the place, and nobody can seem to answer that. I think um, that all three of them had a hand in that. Um, so it's hard to point a finger, but I guess that does fall back down onto Brian Kelly. I think that Mike Denbrock probably had the biggest hand in the play calling. I do think that, but I don't want to go and claim that without knowing it to be fact. So playing calling was really difficult for me. Um, like I said, we couldn't get that run game going. Um, I think that this year coming up, with McGlinchey getting more comfortable on the left side, um, we're going to have this year the offensive linemen are going to have a lot more starts under their belt. I think that cohesion is going to be there. Uh, looks like they might kick Alex Bars inside to guard, which I think he'll excel at. They'll probably look be looking at Liam Eichenberg or Tommy Kramer, who I think project as um, you know big time players at Notre Dame. The type of guys will be first round draft picks one day. And uh, you know Dexter Williams didn't quite get the shot that I thought he would have after having uh, some some signs of some elite athleticism this year. So this year I think he'll be getting some more carries. Um, Josh Adams hopefully will come back healthy. We can get that ground game going. And uh, they had. Uh, the, the interviews yesterday with the new assistant coaches, um, Chip Long uh, made, an, uh, made a point of saying that they're going to have a run-to-pass option team. They want to be a run-to-pass option team. Play, sorry, one run-to-play-action team is what I meant to say. Um, so that leads me to believe they're going to run the ball between the tackles quite a bit. And then uh, they're going to establish that tight end in the passing game. They're going to have, uh, you know, Smythe. And I'm thinking maybe Brock Wright seal the edge and then get some good play action going there. And uh, Chip Long likes to run a lot of uh, two and three tight end sets, and he likes to get the backs involved in the in the uh, pass game. And it's almost a bit of a, uh, I guess, an exotic set West Coast offense, you'd almost say, uh, which is pretty exciting to me. Yeah, I think uh, offensively anything to switch it up a bit. I mean, I think getting back to between the tackles running is – is crucial for Notre Dame moving forward. I think that was a big reason why the offense was so successful and so consistent in 2015 with the run and the pass. They were in a lot of those big-time games they played in that year, uh, you know, not as much this year. And when looking at the schedule, uh, Kevin, just, you know, p pick out a couple games for me, you know, maybe most surprising result for you, maybe in a win or, or a loss or, 
really wherever you want to take that. Um, obviously, only a handful of wins to choose from on the year. Uh, but, you know, talk to me a little bit about what game surprised you most. I mean, I think you kind of alluded to it a little bit, the NC State game, um, you know, with the play calling. And then uh, talk to me a little bit about the, the Miami game as well, because I thought that was a game that could have potentially turned Notre Dame season around. Um, but, you know, it was all for not only winning, you know, one out of the final three after that. Yeah, sure. Um, I guess I would start with uh, the Michigan State game for me was surprising. I, uh, although I saw the deficiencies in the defense in the Texas game, they scored 50 points on Texas, sorry, 47 points on Texas. So I thought, you know, this offense is rolling. And I thought maybe that 18 wheeler offense that Texas has is, is actually really solid offense. And maybe they're going to be putting up lots of points on a lot of good teams this year. And given it was the first game of the year, I think maybe that was an all right thought. And then we went out the second game and we beat Nevada 39-10. Not a bad win at home, right? I was pretty excited about that. So coming into Michigan State, I had a long look at Michigan State. They didn't have a strong quarterback. They, you know, they, lo- they had lost most of their offensive linemen. Um, outside of uh, McDowell on, on their defense, they didn't really have a lot of star talent there. I th- and it was at home. I thought Notre Dame was really going to roll over them. But they went out and they lost 36-28. to and it was a convincing 36-28 uh, win by Michigan State. Uh, the first half, they, were, they, uh, they came out flat. Michigan State sort of got a jump on them there. He thought they'd collect themselves in halftime. They had a bit of a push there in the, in the third quarter. But when it came down to it, the defense could not get off the field. Um, I remember on third down, uh, they, they, you know, they really needed to make a play to, uh, to, to seal the game. And they hit a wide-open receiver along the sideline. And it was just shocking to me. Uh, I couldn't believe that it happened. After that loss happened, uh, you know, I didn't think we were going to go to 4-8. and eight, But, I, you know, I didn't think we were going to make it to 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, That game was terrible. And then, you know, it's a, another uh, loss that really blew me away was the game right after that when we lost to Duke. Uh, I just think that Notre Dame has no business losing to Duke, especially at home. Uh, I... I I believe they may have even had their second-string quarterback in to make it even more embarrassing. Yeah, they, they did, and giving up 38 points uh, in that game to a Duke offense that, you know, let's face it, isn't very good. No, no, it really isn't. So, I mean, that was that was a disappointing loss to me. I think that was a disappointing loss to everyone. And, I mean, when you fire your defensive coordinator after, the uh, you know, the fourth week of a season, you know that something's not right. Um I'd say the most surprising win for me, uh, which you're right, there there wasn't a lot of, was probably the Miami game. Uh, you go in there, they got Brad K at quarterback. They've got, you know, Miami always has a lot of really good skill position players, and, and that's um, a really dangerous thing for a struggling defense. So, uh, you know, the, the reason I think Notre Dame ponied up and won that game was it was right after a bye week. I think that they had time to, you know, settle in with their new defensive coordinator after, you know, three weeks of uh, steady back-to-back games. Um, you, you know, they came out and beat them. It wasn't very convincing. It was 30-27. Uh, but, you know, they went out there and they beat them. And that game to me would be the one kind of surprising win. I mean, other than that, you should beat Army. You should beat Syracuse. You should beat Nevada. Right? So, unfortunately, you didn't give me a big list there to, to list off with. To, to pick from, but that's definitely my choice. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if I was the one that gave you that list or if they did with those four wins. Um, but looking at, 
looking at this upcoming season, obviously, um, you know, you lose to uh, lose to USC in the finale. Obviously, Notre Dame knew at that point in time they weren't going to be going to a bowl game. But you know, there were some missed opportunities against USC. I thought overall Notre Dame played an okay game against USC. Um, they they could have definitely closed out the season worse when they had nothing left to play for. Um, I, I thought you know for you know all things being considered, you know the writing was on the wall. Obviously with uh, Deshaun Kaiser going to the NFL, even though you know nothing had been announced, it was pretty clear that he was heading in that direction. Um, uh, you know, you don't really have a result to necessarily springboard you into this upcoming season. But uh, Kevin, talk to me about this upcoming signing class because you kind of talked to it a little bit, you know, off the top. And Notre Dame obviously needs to reload in some major positions heading into next season. Uh, quarterback looks like it's going to be set with Brandon Wimbush. But uh, talk to me a little bit about you know the other guys who could potentially enter the fold, maybe either A, on the roster now, or B, maybe coming in here, um, signing tomorrow or, you know, in the coming days uh, right after signing day. Are you talking about uh, players who may play this year, or are you just talking about players who may be signing on signing day that are on the fence? Yeah, so um, a little bit of both. I mean, I I think, you know, players that, you know, who are already on the roster who you think can can step in and and be difference makers or have maybe a larger uh, role this year that could could play a role into the 2017 Notre Dame team. And then on top of that, you know, if there are a couple freshmen coming in the recruiting class you think can make a difference this year or um, guys that can can make a difference here in the coming years that could uh, help Notre Dame get back to what they were here uh, prior to 2016. I see, yes. Uh, I would start with on defense, Dalen Hayes. Uh, he, he's a, a weak side defensive end, pass rusher. He was a five-star recruit by rivals. Uh, the reason why he didn't play uh, all that much last year uh, was, number one, it was a complex defense. It's tough to play a weak side defensive end, a pass rusher in general. Uh, but the, the complex defense also, he was coming off uh, two shul- shoulder surgeries that he had had. He had only played, I think, uh, just less than a handful of games in his junior and senior seasons in high school. Uh, so he, he'd also come came to Notre Dame as an early enrollee. At, I believe he was around 263 pounds, 265 pounds, and he cut the weight down to around 242. So he's playing at a new weight. Um, and also they had uh, Andrew Trebetti there at weak side defensive end who really knew the system. Uh, this year they're going to have the new 425 base defense with Mike Elko. And uh, Dalen, Hayes, uh, Dalen Hayes will be playing a stand-up. Uh, defensive end position which I think suits his talents more so I think he's going to be getting after the quarterback quite a bit I also heard Brian Driscoll and BGI podcast talking about the personnel on the defensive line and Andrew Trimbetti he, he kind of suggests that Andrew Trimbetti's uh, skill set might suit more over a, the strong side defensive end uh, he's coming into his senior season and he's only recorded one sack and that's uh, that's not a good sign for your starting weak side defensive end Notre Dame needs to get more sacks this year. The defensive line only had three last year, which is, you know, obviously not enough. Um, I also think that uh, in this upcoming season, uh, we're going to be seeing a lot of Alizé Jones at tight end. Uh, He was an All-American, number one tight end in the country. Um, You know, coming out of Bishop Gorman, I believe he's ranked the number two uh, prep school in the country. It's a football Uh, factory there, Bishop Gorman. Darn right it is, out of Las Vegas there. And uh, basically, he he came out in his freshman year. Uh, They already had uh, a big tight end room that year. 
Um, he did he did play. He did make some nice catches. But you look at him, he looks like an NFL tight end. You know, he's he's six four and a half, well two forty five. Uh, he, he just really mature uh, physically. Uh, last year, obviously, he uh, wasn't able to play because of academic issues. Um, he did play on the scout team the whole year, though. And Brian Kelly alluded to the fact that they didn't have anybody who could cover him. Or they, he said, we don't have many guys that can cover him with a bit of a smirk. So, And he said, yeah, he's pretty good. Um, so basically, this year, Alizé Jones, with this new uh, chip, uh, sorry, chip long offense, where they have two and three tight end sets. They like to play, get a lot of play action going on. Alizé Jones can split out. He can line up in line. He's got the size. He provides a huge mismatch, not only with size, but with speed. So I look to him to make a big difference this year. And uh, one more player I, I'm, I'm thinking that might uh, have a big year is Dexter Williams. I think that uh, he got in the doghouse for some reason this year. I think uh, he sort of had a sort of a, a couple miscues early in the season, and then they just went to Josh Adams all year. Uh, and quite a bit of Terry and Fulston. I think Dexter Williams is going to get some snaps, and I think he's going to he's going to be dynamic. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you from a running back perspective. I think you know seeing more of Dexter Williams will be good for Notre Dame. Just seeing some glimpses of him in the Syracuse game, um, but before it looked like he almost blew out his knee. What um, <laughs> wasn't good? He went down kind of awkwardly on one of the plays there. But Williams showed some flashes there in the Syracuse game. That was there for in person. I thought he was. His potential to be a really, really elite type runner for Notre Dame. Um, so you alluded to it a little bit, you know, a couple of the additions on the coaching staff, Kevin, um, from Mike Elko, uh, Chip Long. You know, what are early indications around the program, around people, you know, people writing about Notre Dame? Uh, what do they think of these hires? Um, I, I've heard kind of mixed mixed reviews on Mike Elko. A lot of people seem to like him, but he's coming out of, you know, Wake Forest after one good year. Uh, there is the defensive coordinator. Uh, what's the overall vibe around the uh, new coaching additions there on campus? Well, given that the coaching, uh, the, the play calling and coaching has been really uh, questionable at best in the in the last few years, according to Notre Dame fans, um, these hires are very highly regarded, especially Mike Elko. Uh, I know that there is that talk about he had the one good year, but you know he had uh, he, he was. He led Wake Forest defense to a top 20 finish in the country in turnovers, sacks, red zone defense, and scoring defense. And that's with Wake Forest. I believe Wake Forest only has about 3,500 students. So, yep. I mean, that's, that is huge. Um, you know, they went out and played Clemson's in the Florida States and that. And, you know, they, yeah, they did lose, but they pushed them around quite a bit out there. And the biggest thing to do with uh, Coach Mike Elko is uh, is that uh, he comes down with uh, Clark Lee, the linebackers coach. They've been coaching well together, but the, uh, but what I'm getting to is that they're running the four two five defense, which is a perfect fit for Notre Dame. Notre Dame has a lot of those tweener type players. Uh, I think for starters, they're gonna like I just talked about with Dalen Hayes playing as more of a stand up position. That really helps. But Notre Dame has uh, some of those undersized linebackers that are really good in, in pass coverage. Uh, like Asmar Bilal is definitely gonna be uh, a, a rover candidate this year. They've also got uh, Drew Tranquil, who's uh, a safety who's, who's performed really well in the box 
And he's performed really well against the academies and teams that run option, as well as Stanford, who plays that power run game. So he's going to be a senior this year. He's an academic All-American, super, super smart guy. He he can come downhill and hit you real hard. And he doesn't get, uh, although he has some physical limitations speed-wise, he doesn't get beat deep, and he plays a pretty sound game. Uh, They've also got Spencer Perry, who came from IMG Academy. Uh, He did see the field a little bit, but anyhow, he's about a good 6'2", 210-pound safety, maybe 220-pound safety. Uh, So he's going to be coming in the mix as well. So schematically, he's a really good fit Uh, on offense uh, with Chip Long coming in. uh, You look at Notre Dame right now, if you want to talk about the most impressive things is look usually you talk about their offensive line and that, but this year it's going to be tight end. They're going to have six tight ends this year with Cole Komet and Brock Wright coming in. They're the number one and number three tight ends in the country, both all Americans. That's going to give them five all American uh, high school all American tight ends. So I'll have Tyler Luatua, Alizé Jones, Nick Wisher, and then obviously Komet and Wright. That makes five. Uh, All-American tight ends there, with Durham Smith being the returning starter uh, at tight end as well. With the two and three tight end sets Chip Chip Long likes to run, I expect them to expose defenses with mismatches. I think that's going to bode well, really well for them. They have that big offensive line coming back, and and then obviously Josh Adams at running back. I think it's all going to come together really well, and I'm honestly really excited about Notre Dame overall this year. I think uh, on defense they're going to. You know, I think some of last year is still going to come over to sort of bite them a little bit. But I, I think that this year they're going to have a lot of talent. And I think that uh, these new offensive coordinators, uh, these new, sorry, offensive and defensive coordinators are going to put everything together well. As well on uh, on offense with Chip Long. he's uh, They also hired uh, Delvon Alexander at wide receivers coach. And they coached together, Chip Long and Delvon Alexander, in Arizona State. So I think that that's also another fit. It's always a worry about uh, cohesion with coaching staff when you do such a large overhaul. But given that those two on either side have coached together, uh, recently especially, I think that there's not going to be too much of, a, I guess, a skip in this step this year. So I think that that's not too much of a concern for fans. It's not, conf- not much of a concern for me, that's for sure. Yeah, and going into 2017 here, uh, it, you know, in my opinion, and, and I'm sure, you know, you and, and many other uh, Notre Dame writers and fans kind of share the same sentiment. It's it's likely a make or break year for Brian Kelly, um, one would have to think. I mean, you can't have too many years like he just had in 2016 and then bounce back and have another mediocre year, um, especially with, you know, ha- how quickly the the athletic boosters and, you know, donors at university kind of react uh, rashly at times to coaching hires and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, by all indications, looks like they'll have a pretty strong coaching staff in place to at least uh, rebound to 2017. And, you, you know, maybe an early look at the schedule here, Kevin, and, and your early thoughts on next season. Obviously, you got a never an easy schedule at Notre Dame. Uh you know, looking at the September 9th game in Georgia, they'll be tested early. Um, you know, even just before that, in the opener against Temple. Temple's never a team that's going to just sit there and roll over. But um, you got two home games to start the year, Temple and Georgia. Uh, you know, Boston College game, which, you know, should be winnable. But Michigan State should be improved. you got to play them on the road. North Carolina's never an easy game. you got them on the road. Um, USC at home. 
always a tough game. And then you're going at Miami. That's a team that should be improving at Stanford at the end of the year, a team that I expect to bounce back. So uh, just early indications on the schedule, obviously tough, but you know, maybe an early prediction on, on what you uh, think Notre Dame will do in 2017. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I can have to agree with you. Uh, just about you running down the schedule there, uh, it's a tough schedule. I mean, yes, Notre Dame, Notre Dame does always play a tough schedule, uh, but this one, in my opinion, is tougher than last year's. Um, you're right about Temple. They they are they're kind of similar to Boston College in a bit. They always play tough defense, and they're always a tough team. They always play above their talent. Um, everyone always plays their A game against Notre Dame. It seems like um, that game. One upper hand we have there is Chris Long was uh, the offensive coordinator at Memphis who just beat Temple in the bowl game. So I think he'll have some insight as to how to take it to him. Uh, the Georgia game is definitely my biggest worry. It's at home. It's early in the season. Uh, Georgia boasts that Jacob Eason quarterback who I think uh, is, you know, he's probably a future number one overall NFL draft pick by the looks of it. Um, they're going to be returning both Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle um, at running back. That's going to be difficult, especially for our, our defense. That's going to be trying to find their way, just so to speak. Um, they're returning uh, Lorenzo Carter at outside linebacker. So personnel-wise, they're going to be uh, they're going to be solid. But at the same time, it's also their second game of the season, right? They're going to be sort of finding their way as well. Um, you know, we got Boston College uh, at Boston College after that. Um, like I was just talking about Temple, they're just always that tough team. You know, they we just just barely eked out a win against them uh, against them in fifteen. Um, again, after that, we got Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State's not a huge concern for me, uh, as they weren't a huge concern for me last year. But they have recruit; they always recruit fairly decent, and it's at Michigan State, and they they don't like Notre Dame. Uh, when Notre Dame goes into Michigan State, they aren't uh, treated very well. Um, yeah, North Carolina, I know lots of people. I Myself as well, I'm usually concerned about them. But they're losing their quarterback. Um, I think that they're going to have a, a tough time with that. But, you know, they do have Elijah Hood, one of the best running backs in the country. Too bad he didn't end up at Notre Dame. Um, and then we're going to have the bye week after that to get ready for USC. Uh, USC this year, uh, they've lost some star power. Adderay Jackson, Damian Mama, Juju Smith, uh, Smith-Schuster. So they're going to be breaking in some new players. But you, you know USC is always going to have those uh, those high-profile receivers on hand ready to go. Um, they got Sam Darnold coming back at quarterback. There's Heisman talk about him. He's but, a stud. Uh, yeah, he is a stud. He is. He's, um, he's, he's sort of got that Tommy Reese uh, high football IQ. Um, Speaking of Tommy Reese, another add to the coaching staff. Yeah, how about that? Now they're calling him Tom Reese. I guess they're trying to give him <laughs> uh, whatever they're trying <laughs> to do. Grow there. up at some point, right? Yeah, I suppose. Uh, but uh, um, you know, people are complaining about Tommy Reese. They're getting a higher call. You know, turnover Tommy and that. But the way I look at it is with the the physical limitations that he had. You know, he did not have a strong arm, and he had even worse legs. And to, to have those physical limitations and still start at quarterback for Notre Dame and win as many big games as he won and bailed out Everett Golson the amount of times he, he did. Uh, he's a coach's son. He, uh, there, if there's anything that that kid knows is, is, is it's football, you know. And he not only that, he played at Notre Dame. He played in a, di- a bunch of different roles, you know, 
uh, backup or a situational quarterback when he used to come in and bail out Golson, like I said, and also as the starting quarterback for Brian Kelly. I think uh, he's going to be able to relay the message to his quarterbacks the way that uh, a quarterback coach at Notre Dame needs to. Um, I think that uh, he, he's a real solid choice there, a quarterback, uh, as a quarterback coach, sorry. Um, but, yeah, to get back to the schedule, you know, the, the last few games there, in North Carolina State, I, I – uh, I'm going to predict a strong redemption by Notre Dame. I I know that they must have been really angry losing to them this year in the way they did, in the conditions that they did. Uh, interesting game after that with uh, Wake Forest, given that Mike Elko and Clark Lee uh, were coaching there last year. Um, yeah, Brad Kaya, Brad Kaya in Miami, the next uh, the next game in Miami. That might uh, I may have understated that bit. That might actually be one of the tougher games of the season. I get the old rivalry between Miami and Notre Dame, given it's on the road late in the season, worn down. That could be a real tough one. And uh, the final game of the season there was Stanford. You know, it's at Stanford. Um, I don't think they lost a, a too too much uh, from their class, of course, other than Christian uh, McCaffrey, uh, who actually didn't end up playing this year against Notre Dame. They have a really impressive uh, recruiting class this year, two five-star offensive tackles. Um, they play that power run offense where they bring in an extra offensive tackle, a third offensive tackle. Um, so look for that to be uh, definitely a, a tough task for Notre Dame. Well, Kevin, that's a pretty astute breakdown. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, tell everybody here where they can find your work. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, I'm uh, Kevin Sinclair, and uh, the, the co-expert over at Slap the Sign on the fan sided site. Uh, that's where you can find my work. We uh, have all your recruiting needs. We've got a uh, uh, National Signing Day uh, tracker up there if you want to have a, have a look. Awesome, Kevin. Well, I appreciate it, um, and we'll definitely do this again soon. Absolutely, anytime. All right, and until then, uh, this has been, of course, the Basketball Conference Podcast minus Joey Weaver. Uh, as usual, you can reach us on Twitter. I'm, of course, at Mike McDaniel ACC. You can follow Joey Weaver. On Twitter at FTRS Joey, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. Have any questions, reviews on this podcast, reviews of me by myself, reviews of Joey, of course, reviews of Kevin Sinclair uh, of slapthesign.com. You can drop those at the longest email address known to man, basketball conference podcast at gmail.com. That's basketball conference podcast at gmail.com. And for Joey Weaver, who's here in spirit, for Kevin Sinclair of SlapTheSign.com, I'm Mike McDaniel. Go ACC.